Oh yeah, it's Buckeye Talk, baby. Oh yeah, it's Buckeye Talk. Oh yeah. That's how we do it. We're in the podcast studio. What do you think, Landis? I'm uncomfortable. Oh yeah, it's Buckeye Talk. Oh yeah. All right, I like starting podcasts with music when we're in the podcast studio. We are, that's how we do it on Takes by the Lake. This is not Takes by the Lake. This is Buckeye Talk. Instead of Ari's apartment, which is our normal podcast studio, people know that, right? Yeah, I think so. Bill and I are in the studio, and uh, Ari's on Skype. Ari, can you hear us? I can. Can you hear me? Did you like that intro? Did you hear the music? I thought that intro sounded a lot like, like a 90s video game. That's what I want. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it did. I think our podcast is a lot like a 90s video game. <laughs> All right, so we're going to talk about linebackers and quarterbacks today. For Buckeye Talk, while we're in spring football, we like to talk about the guys we talked to that week. So on Tuesday, we talked to Bill Davis, the linebackers coach, who's replacing Luke Fickle. We talked to Ryan Day, the quarterbacks coach, who's replacing Tim Beck. They didn't give us any quarterbacks to talk to, which we were a little disappointed about. We would have liked to talk to Dwayne Haskins and Joe Burrow. We already talked to JT Barrett this year, but we did talk to some linebackers, Jerome Baker and Chris Worley. We also were hoping to talk to Dante Booker. That didn't happen, but we want to talk about Davis and Day as new coaches. We want to talk about those two position groups, and then we are going to get to some tweets. We asked you guys for some questions. You guys sent us some great questions, as usual. Um, Buckeye Talk every week. You can read our stuff every week at cleveland.com slash OSU. Bill Landis, Ari Wasserman, Doug Maurice. So let's start with quarterbacks because everybody likes quarterbacks, right? So we have now watched two practices, um, the first week and the second week. Is that it for us, by the way, for watching practice? No, I think we get one more next week. One more? We love it when we get to watch practice. Actually, we should get get two more. We should get a... a viewing one more viewing window, and then if tradition holds, the student appreciation day practice, we're usually allowed to watch basically oh, the, the entire thing. practice, which is the best thing. And that's on April eighth, so hopefully we'll have to do that again too. Okay, Dwayne Haskins, because we'll start with Dwayne Haskins, because everybody loves to talk about Dwayne Haskins. He just looks like a quarterback. I think we got all these reports right from bowl practice last year of how good Dwayne Haskins looks. He just looks. Like a quarterback, he's tall, he looks the part, he spins it, and I don't think I care. <laughs> like, we don't actually get to watch real stuff in practice, mostly what we watch is warm-ups. I don't care what Dwayne Haskins looks like throwing a 15-yard out in one-on-one drills when there's no pass rush and there's no actual stuff going on. And when he's not running the zone read, but we saw him do a couple zone read handoffs and stuff. Bill, you've written about this so many times. Urban Meyer doesn't care how you throw it. That's not what he wants in a quarterback. I, I am not going to get on the Dwayne Haskins bandwagon until I see him do anything in a game because I'm worried that we're all chasing some fool's gold on this because the only thing he can show in practice, which is he looks the part and he throws it, doesn't matter. Yeah, well, I was I was on the Dwayne Haskins bandwagon at the Fiesta Bowl, um, and Ari wrote a really excellent story about Dwayne Haskins when we were out there. But they were talking about the guy like he was Joe Montana, and we came in the spring practice, and then I saw him throw, and, and that for me was a reminder that, oh, yeah, like he could potentially be very special one day, but he's still a redshirt freshman, and it's not like you can take a whole lot from watching a guy throw against either one-on-one or no defense at all, um, but... I think it, I said this before, like I thought it was possible that we could have gone in there and went, holy crap, this guy is Joe Montana, just based on watching him do everything a quarterback does. And I didn't get that vibe. Um, so I'm with, I think I'm with you now that I don't really, it's, it's, it's interesting, the backup quarterback battle. I don't, I'm not really in on it right now. I'm more interested on, on how JT Barrett develops than I am on how good Dwayne Haskins could potentially be. All right. Do you agree with that at all? I mean, I'm just, I'm not saying that Dwayne Haskins isn't a good player, obviously. I'm just trying to pump the brakes a little bit on Dwayne Haskins is going to be an All-American talk when he has not played a snap of college football yet. I thought you were going to say completely different. I thought you were going to say, we're watching Dwayne Haskins, and I don't care if we haven't watched him do anything important. I think this guy's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I agree with you guys. I I actually thought Dwayne Haskins in the drills was very inconsistent yesterday because he was throwing the ball into the net a lot. Did you guys notice that? 
Yeah, they were doing a drill. I guess it was to simulate like a, like an in between throw over a linebacker between a yeah, yeah, like, like throwing find like a, a window, right? Yeah, and yeah, he kept hit, hitting, hitting. It was a pretty large hitting net, the net. He kept hitting the net, yeah. And all the hype about him was this guy can put the ball wherever he wants it all the time and make NFL throws, and he didn't do that yesterday. So, um, and obviously, we're not going to come away and say the guy's not good because we saw him hit the net a few times in a drill for fifteen minutes, but. Yeah, I, I think that the entire focus on this team, um, and you know, we, there was some question about it when we were in Phoenix uh, the day after they lost about how they're going to handle the quarterback situation. And right now, I think that everybody is in a full agreement that this is about uh, JT's development, and he's the guy. And until uh, you know, Dwayne Haskins does something, maybe we'll see it in the spring game. I don't think that we're going to get ahead of ourselves and say anything other than the development of their starter is the most important task right now in that quarterback room. Who was there? So just a little inside baseball for you guys listening. When we have interviews um, at Ohio State, what typically happens is they bring out somebody first and all the reporters. I mean, there's probably 60 reporters there. Is that a decent estimate, you think? Yeah. On on Tuesday. And we all gather around the first person because they're the only person there. We're on the indoor field at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. Sometimes they bring us in the team room when you see videos of us talking Urban Meyer. He's at the microphone in the team meeting room and we're sitting in the seats. For other interview sessions, when it's assistant coaches and players, we're typically on the field after practice. We gather in little groups around them. So yesterday we're all talking to Ryan Day. He was the first guy out. Then Bill Davis, the linebacker's coach, came out. So then it's like, well, half the group leaves to go to talk to Bill Davis. The three of us always have a plan. Who's doing this guy? Who's doing that guy? So we're always covered. Then a, then a player comes out. Then you you know, you know break off to that group. Very complicated. Mm-hmm. People think our job is so easy. Go to games and watch and you know drink Diet Coke and eat popcorn. and uh, That's mostly what it is. It's mostly what it is. <laughs> but anyway... So who was still at Ryan Day when he broke down the quarterbacks? I was. I can't remember who else of you. I guys. was definitely there. I went to Bill Davis. You went yeah, to Bill Davis. I was there. So some, Dave Biddle from Bucknuts asked Ryan Day to just break down every quarterback. Tate Martell, Dwayne Haskins, Joe Burrow, JT Barrett. And I thought, and, and I don't want to make this a big deal, but his Joe Burrow answer was basically coach's kid, I thought good it was kid, right? And Dwayne, his Dwayne Haskins breakdown was talented kid. Right? Yes. Which is like the most cliche stereotype thing you can say about two quarterbacks from what we know about Joe Burrow and Dwayne Haskins. And again, I thought it was a, a terrible answer. Yeah. And it didn't tell us anything. So here's the thing I would like to say. Dwayne Haskins also in high school, I think, was a very efficient dude who really ran his team well, right? Mm-hmm. From what we know of what Dwayne Haskins was as a high school player. And Joe Burrow, by the way, is a great athlete. Is he not? I Wasn't think he like a basketball player too? Yeah. And like, I don't know. It, it, it might be on YouTube. Like, Go watch the highlights of Joe Burrow in the state championship game when he was playing um, at Athens in, what was it, 2015? Does that sound right? 14? I don't know. I'm Whatever. His senior years. year. His senior year state championship game in the horseshoe. Go watch that kid play and tell me he's not an athlete. He's not, right? I mean, he's a freak. He's, I think he's really good. I think he and I thought that Ryan Day did him a disservice by describing him as coach's kid. Yeah, I thought he did him both a disservice in a very quick breakdown in the moment. I'm sure he would get more in depth to it, but also he doesn't know these guys that well. That's yet. true. So anyway, the point I'm reason I'm bringing this up is uh, we're going to talk about this now. How important this backup quarterback battle is, and Ari, you asked Ryan Day about this, but. I don't want fans to go into this backup quarterback battle with any preconceived notions about what Joe Burrow and Dwayne Haskins are because we know what matters most to Urban Meyer and who's going to be that starting quarterback in 2018 is going to be the guy who can run the offense. And I don't think we should have any notions about the way Dwayne Haskins throws it or that Joe Burrow is a coach's kid or whatever. They're both really good athletes, so I both it seems like are both really smart quarterbacks who have the capability to athletically be a playmaker and um, from a, mentally and emotionally and being calm and being a leader, be able to run an offense. So I think it's wide open on that. And I just want to lay that out there because I think people are super interested in this. I think the three of us are super interested in it. But I think we – I'm not going to say time will tell because everybody knows that I hate when people say <laughs> time will tell. 
but we have to let this play out. So let's get to, isn't it important, and we'll get to JT Barrett still, but for the two of you guys, it is important how this plays out, right? Because it's wide open as we begin the search for the 2018 quarterback behind JT Barrett, who is clearly the starter this year, but the number two guy this year is going to be the leader to be number one the next year. Yeah, I think so. Um, I was, and I think, R, you might have been surprised too. Maybe not surprised is the right word, but it still seems like there's a a gap. I don't know how sizable it is between Burrow and Dwayne Haskins. Do you get that vibe too? A hundred percent. I mean, I, don't, I, I was surprised that one was wearing a black jersey and the other wasn't. And, and Burrow's the one wearing the black hell contact jersey in I, practice. I know. We talked team. about this again last week. Again, I don't think that's a big deal. I don't think the jersey is a big deal. But but what else do you Oh, want? yeah. I guess not. I mean, yeah. I think that is purely based on playing time. One guy is a year older. I, I don't read the, the jersey as a big thing. But you do you th- you guys do read that as a big thing? I I think I do. Yeah. It's... I guess it's as simple as Joe Burrow is the number two quarterback on the depth chart, and the fact that Dwayne Haskins doesn't have a black jersey doesn't necessarily mean there's a huge gap. It just means you don't let the guy who right now is your backup get hit, and the third guy and the fourth guy can get hit because you can deal with losing them. But I, in, in my head, if it was anywhere near even, Dwayne Haskins would also be in a black jersey because I don't think you'd want anything to happen to that guy either. You don't want that guy getting hit if you think potentially he's the guy in August that if JT Barrett goes down, Dwayne Haskins is going into the game, potentially. I mean, I guess it is possible that Dwayne is just not wearing a black jersey because he doesn't have the year of experience that Burrow has. But I agree with you, Bill, completely. I thought it was just we want to protect the guy who's clearly our backup and let the third guy go and see if he can develop more. That's how I think. So um, let's move to JT Barrett now. What was the vibe you got from Ryan Day about what he thinks of JT Barrett? He He repeatedly said, again, Ryan Day came from the pros. He said, JT acts like a pro. How did you read that, Bill? I read it as as kind of like, I feel like we might be strapping in for a season in which Ohio State tries to convince us and everyone that JT Barrett is an NFL quarterback. Because um, I, like, I don't even know what that means, JT Barrett's a pro. Like You've been practicing with him for three days, or three practices. And if it's that JT is prepared, like we knew that already. We knew that he's a very prepared guy. He he, he takes his job very seriously. Um, I, I thought that Ryan Day saying he's a pro was like to plant a seed that this guy could play in the NFL. And I don't. I think maybe every time we talk to Ryan Day, he might say that in, in one way or another. Um, and I think Urban Meyer might say it a lot. I think JT Barrett will bring it up because he brought it up. I wasn't there when you guys talked to him the first week of spring practice on that Thursday, but he talked about wanting to be an NFL quarterback, right? And I don't know if that was unprovoked or not. And I think, Ari, you might have asked them, but I think I think this is a year where they're going to try to convince the world that JT Barrett's a pro quarterback. Whether he is or not, I guess we'll see when he starts playing games, but I think that's the mission for them this year. In addition to making him better and winning games, obviously, they want to show the world that he can play in the NFL. Do you think that, Ari? I do. I agree with everything Bill just said. Thanks, and man. I, 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 okay, go ahead. No, but so, well, how do you guys? Okay, so if they want to convince the world JT Barrett is a pro quarterback, is an NFL quarterback, how would that play out for Ohio State as a football team and the Ohio State offense and JT Barrett's role and the way they use him this year? Do you think if they want to set him up for the NFL, would that affect the kind of offense they run? They run the kind of things they ask JT Barrett to do. Well, the one thing that I think that would have to happen for them to do that is they would have to develop a very consistent downfield passing game. And it just seems hard for me to, to picture that because Ohio State had a pretty efficient offense for most of the year, uh, despite the fact that they couldn't throw the ball. And I feel like if they were going to prove JT is this one thing, that they're going to have to change the entire approach of the way they run their offense and turn it into a pass offense first. And I don't even know if he's capable of that. I thought it was interesting that, um, like, Ryan Day did not talk once about JT Barrett's running ability when we talked to him on Tuesday. And he wasn't directly asked about it, but he was kind of asked, what does JT do well, and like, what's he working on? And I think if anyone asked the three of us, what does JT do well, the first thing we would talk about is his running ability. And Ryan Day talked about his footwork in the pocket, play action passes, and I took that as he's trying to develop more of a pro skill set. He's trying to not just be the guy who tucks the ball and runs at the first sign of pressure, he's going to be the guy who stands tall, as tall as he can stand, I guess it's six foot two, or whatever he is, 
but uses those legs to move the pocket rather than move out of the pocket, if that makes sense. So I think I think you could potentially see they're never going to bend in a QB run. It's too important to Urban Meyer's offense. And I think when push comes to shove and, and they need to get something, they'll rely on the quarterback run. Like every third down? Like every third down in, in a close game. Yeah. But I think you could potentially see JT Barrett doing less of that in games where it's like – I'm trying to – find the way to say this the right way. Maybe opportunities in the past where he would have run just because that was the easiest thing to do. He's just going to sort of shift in the pocket and still try to make throws downfield because that's what an NFL quarterback would do. An NFL quarterback doesn't just take off and run. All right, I'm going to make this. There's two points. I'm going to write this down. I have nine points to make. There's an interesting point here about the way Ryan Day and Bill Davis talked uh, on Tuesday, both having come from the NFL, that I think is an important thing to bring up. So remind me of that if I forget this part. Okay. Here's a statement I'm going to make. If Ohio State is focused at all on trying to make JT Barrett an NFL quarterback during this season, they're in trouble. I don't... Prove me wrong, JT Barrett. Right now, JT Barrett's not an NFL quarterback. People right now are talking about Deshaun Watson's velocity on his ball, the way they measured it at the NFL Combine, and I think... Deshaun Watson was measured at 45 miles per hour, and other quarterbacks were measured at 49, 52, much stronger arm. If Deshaun Watson has questions about his arm strength, I don't know what people would say about JT Barrett as an NFL quarterback prospect. And, I mean, he's, there's always been questions about his arm strength. Back to before the weenie arm comment, okay? So, if JT Barrett's going to make it, he's got to be super accurate, right? Mm-hmm. He's not that big. He's not, he's big enough. He's big enough. But if people were worried about his Mitch Trubisky get a measure above 6'2", again, what are they going to think about JT Barrett? Okay, but I think he's big enough. He's not going to not make the NFL because he's not tall enough. But he's got to be super accurate, and he wasn't super accurate last year. No. So if if there's questions about his arm strength and he's not super accurate, I think we have developed over time that when we see him run on third down all the time, I think they have told us at times that that is not a called quarterback draw all the time. A lot of it is look, and if it's not there, go. And JT Barrett is a disciple in the church of don't take a sack, don't take a negative play, get positive yards. And especially on third down, if it's third and six, and he sees an opening where he thinks he can get six and a half yards, he is not going to stand in the pocket for an extra half second to try to make a 17-yard throw. Do we agree with that idea? That is JT Barrett? Yeah, I think so. That is what makes this offense go. That has saved this offense at times. If he now gets to a point where he's going to wait an extra half second to try to make a 12-yard throw on third and six rather than take the six and a half yards on the run, I don't know if that's good for this offense. Now, we know all season we said they've got to throw it. They've got to throw it. They've got to throw it. They do have to throw it better. But if there's any focus in his head or in the focus of the play callers that we're trying to make him more of an NFL quarterback, I don't know how that would be good for the offense. Well, I don't. I don't think it's. I watched a lot, and I I charted in in my amateur way a lot of JT Barrett's throws. All of JT Barrett's throws last year through the Michigan game. I didn't do the playoff game against Clemson. And what I laid out, I'm not talking about JT Barrett completely abandoning the run because it's too important to them. I'm talking about, if you went back and watched all his throws last year, a lot of the times that he ran, there were guys he could have thrown the ball to, and he didn't do it. And we've talked about it a lot, his uh, unwillingness to throw the ball into a tight window, um, some timing issues, footwork issues. If those things get fixed, if, if his footwork footwork excuse me gets fixed, if he develops more confidence in his arm to throw a ball into a window that maybe he wasn't willing to throw the ball into last year. I'm not talking about even taking huge risks. I'm talking about making throws that probably most college quarterbacks would make, especially guys on the upper level who want to go play in the pros. Um, that, in my mind, is not a total departure from Ohio State's offense and Ohio State's bread and butter of the quarterback run. I think that still needs to be a big part of it. But if there were games where he ran the ball 20 times where he didn't have to run the ball 20 times, he could have ran it. 15 times and thrown the ball five more times, maybe gotten three more completions out of it. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Point taken. Ari, what do you think? I think that I didn't really ever think about what you said, Doug, before, but like the idea of forcing it to hesitate. Does that make sense? Where it's like forcing yourself to do something in order to look like an NFL quarterback turns into hesitation. Hesitation was the number one thing that we thought he did, right? Yeah. I mean, what's the number one thing that you think 
because here's this, this, a lot of people think this. They think that JT Barrett is a good enough quarterback to get them through the regular season, but isn't good enough to beat Clemson or to beat a team in the first round of the playoff. What is the number one reason why Ohio State would not be able, like, the number one reason behind the JT Barrett criticism that would mean that he can't beat a better team? What is the reason, do you think? Throwing. I don't think being an NFL quarterback is just throwing, so I agree completely with you. I think that it's just about, um, you know, hitting the spots that are tighter, like Bill said, being confident in doing it and running with authority when you're supposed to run. And I think that he ran very well. And the only thing that's missing in his game is throwing passes that are maybe 60 or 70% completions that he thinks are too risky and everything that we've been talking about for the last six months. I like running with authority. I, he should throw with authority. Yeah, no. Right, right. I mean, yeah. that's what we've asked. That's what we've, we talked about that a lot last year. I mean, and, and again, we've, in, in two minute drills, uh, late in a half, uh, on third down, um, when they go up tempo, when he has less time to think about it, he does step up and do that. So I think we all have been saying that's what he needs to do is step up and throw it with authority. And I think, Bill, that's what you're talking about. Um, I just would hesitate, and maybe I misinterpreted what you guys were saying. I don't think they can at all call a game in a way that shows they're trying to get make JT Barrett look like an NFL quarterback. They have to call a yeah. game in the Urban Meyer fashion. But then JT Barrett, while he executes that play, those play calls, does need to be more authoritative, more confident, step up and let it go. Because when he does that, he can do it well. So I think if they – and that's why this is a huge thing, and I'm going to write about this. Like, Ryan Day has to get JT Barrett in the perfect frame of mind, right? Yeah. To have the confidence to do that, to have confidence to maybe make a mistake, have trust in yourself and your receivers. Um, but I will say this, and, and this is apropos of nothing, because it doesn't have anything to do with Ohio State succeeding – this year or Ohio State's chances to win a national title, um, having just dabbled a little bit more in the NFL in the last couple months and having dabbled more in this draft prep with the Browns and the way quarterbacks are evaluated, I don't think there's any way JT Barrett is an NFL quarterback, even at his best. I mean, I asked questions in the past about could he be a Russell Wilson type, whatever. Every sm smaller quarterback is, is asked that kind of question. Russell Wilson is the exception to the rule, and when JT Barrett comes out, um, he's going to be evaluated in a way that people are immediately going to go to his size, his throwing arm, uh, his ability, his arm strength, his ability to make NFL throws, and I think that there's nothing he can do this year to really answer questions about that. Well, what's I don't, we don't need to go too far down this road, but like there are guys and there are guys in every draft that scouts have questions of that I think mostly stem from the offense that they run. So like Davis Webb and Patrick Mahomes this year are guys. Scouts have questions about because they were air raid quarterbacks who threw the ball 60 times a game, the receivers that were wide open. But they're going to get a shot, and you think that's because with all that, they still have the arm talent that JT doesn't have? Patrick Mahomes has a cannon. Yeah. Davis Webb has a big arm. And again, it doesn't mean that JT Barrett can't get drafted in the sixth round. You know, and, and anybody, I mean, God bless you. I mean, if you can get drafted in the NFL, you're a freak. I don't care what round mm -hmm. it is. That is an unbelievable accomplishment. But if we're talking about JT Barrett being an NFL quarterback, if people have questions about whether Deshaun Watson can be an NFL quarterback and a successful franchise kind of NFL quarterback, did anyone watch Clemson versus Ohio State? The guy who did that to Ohio State, who did that to Marshawn Lattimore, Malik Hooker, and Garyon Conley, that guy people are picking apart. The guy who got zero, that offense, people are asking if that guy can play in the NFL. That's what I'm saying. No, that, that, that makes perfect sense to me. I think it's, I think it's uh, even if, I think with drastic improvement next season, he sort of is what he is at this point. Unless he becomes incredibly accurate, which is something like Cody Kessler doesn't have a strong arm. He was a third-round draft pick because he's accurate. And there are plenty of guys who could, like Jake Rudock got drafted by the Detroit Lions in the sixth round out of Michigan. I don't think any of us thought Jake Rudock was anything special other than he ran a pro-style offense and was kind of accurate. So if JT Barrett can make a little I, bit of progression in that way, maybe he can be a late-round draft pick. I do, too, think that when you step into being a potential top-ten pick or a first-round pick like Deshaun Watson is, it's a lot easier to hear the, 
the criticisms. Did anybody ever remember anything that Jake Rudock was criticized about during the combine and the NFL draft process? I, no, I, I feel like I it's about possible it that um, JT Barrett is kind of in that category where it's just he won a lot of games, and that's what Urban Meyer always says about how he gauges his quarterbacks and how good they are success rate. I, I don't know how much NFL cares about that. I don't think they um, care very it, much at all. I think that he might be somebody that is just from a successful program who won a lot of football games and might be somebody that they might try to take in the sixth round. I just don't know if we hear the criticisms for guys like that as, as loudly as we do as a guy like Deshaun Watson. I don't think there's anybody on planet Earth that would try to compare those two guys. But but again, but, I pe- do think- but if we're talking about, I mean, when Ohio State fans or Ohio State media talk about can JT Barrett be an NFL quarterback, and that has been discussed in the past, people aren't asking can JT Barrett be drafted in the sixth round to be a third stringer. That's not the conversation people are having. People are asking whether JT Barrett can play in the NFL. And if you're drafted in the sixth round and you're a third stringer for a couple of years, that's not really playing. That's not really what people are talking about. You know? Right. So, like, whatever JT Barrett NFL conversation people are having right now, the conversation they're having is can he play in the NFL? Regardless of where he's drafted, can he be an, an NFL quarterback? That means can he play? And I would just say at the moment, there is, to me, and it is a completely different discussion than can he be a successful Ohio State quarterback and can he win for Ohio State. And we have been knocking around an idea and we'll, I mean, you know, the the idea of Urban Meyer and what he wants in a quarterback and how that matches up with the developing NFL quarterbacks versus, for instance, what what Jim Harbaugh does with his pro-style offense at Michigan. There's a lot to dig into there. Mm -hmm. And the first order for any coaches to win games in college. Yes, Urban Meyer wants to develop NFL players and wants his players to succeed, but he wants to win games first. So anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there because not this past NFL combine, but the combine before, I asked George Whitfield, quarterback guru, who has worked with JT Barrett, about whether JT Barrett could be an NFL quarterback. And George Whitfield says good things about anybody he works with because he gets paid to work with them. So he's never going to criticize those guys. And he was talking about, yeah, JT Barrett, you know, you bring up every Russell Wilson comparison there is. I'm just saying 14 months removed from that conversation that I had with George Whitfield, I would not ask anybody right now about JT Barrett being an NFL quarterback. Um, All right, let's talk some little bit more NFL stuff because this came up with Ryan Day and Bill Davis. Bill, you said Ryan Day didn't talk at all about JT Barrett as a runner, when he talked about J.T. Barrett as a quarterback. And then the, the linebackers were talking about how Bill Davis, the linebackers coach, really, and Bill Davis himself, I think, was talking about how he didn't really think about the quarterback run because in the NFL, you don't think about that. Listen, man, like in college, that's what it's all about. Did you watch Lamar Jackson last year? Yeah. That guy won the Heisman. Now, doesn't mean he's not a great thrower. He is a great thrower. And I think Lamar Jackson, for instance, is a very interesting NFL prospect because he can zing it and he's a dyke. Damn it, crazy man runner. Um, but it was interesting. Like We talked in some videos that we did, and we're going to keep writing about this. Bill Davis, Ryan Day coming from the NFL. Lots of people want to talk about the positives of that. On day one of the interviews, <laughs> we talked to them for neither the linebacker's coach nor the quarterback's coach to really sort of be thinking about the quarterback run is like, What? Yeah, I didn't think of that. I didn't. Oh, I thought I didn't think of it in the moment with Day, and I didn't think I didn't really think anything of it when when Billy Davis said that yesterday. I'm not gonna call him Billy; he's a grown man. Bill Davis said that yesterday um, on Tuesday. But it is, yeah, it's. I guess that just highlights the adjustment you have to make. That everyone assumes that oh, they coached in the NFL, Bill Davis for a quarter century, and Ryan Day for two years, and these guys are awesome because they were at the pinnacle of football coaching. It's like, well, it's kind of. It's not a different game, but it is a different game. Like it's a different. It's a, it's, it's a different game. It's a different. Okay, it's a different game. I think game. it is a different game. Yeah, I I, I would agree with you, but yeah. at, at least it's a different game when it comes to playing quarterback and defending quarterbacks. Maybe many other parts are similar, but that in particular, yeah. it's different. Yeah. So it's I don't know if it's alarming because it's April, but uh, it is interesting that like the thing that Ohio State hinges its offense on. And the thing you must stop to win a national championship are the things that their two new position coaches like forgot about. <laughs> All right, you were at Davis Moore, right? He was talking about that, right? I was blown away when he was saying that. Explain what you heard. Is it supposed to dawn on you? Say that again. I, I was, yeah, 
he's like, well, we don't ever really think about the quarterback run in the NFL. And it's like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like that's also like that's why Cam Newton won the, the Super Bowl two years ago. And the number one thing the linebackers have to do, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think that's really, that was really fascinating. And as it was happening, I was that was something I found to be one of the more interesting things that he said. And again, obviously by September they will be ready for it. Ryan Day will be ready to coach the quarterback run, and Bill Davis will be ready to coach defending the quarterback run. It's, it's, it's worth they have a long time. It's worth noting while we have this conversation as a, as it pertains to Ryan Day, he played quarterback for Chip Kelly. He probably knows a thing or two. Any coach quarterbacks under Chip Kelly, he knows about the quarterback run. He just didn't talk about it on Tuesday. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so let's delve into these guys. Let's go Ryan Day first. What's our vibe on Ryan Day? Um, I wanted to ask him this question, and I didn't get it out because there was so much to ask about. Um, but I wanted to ask him, you know, when this first happened and Ohio State made these moves, we immediately said, okay, well, if they're going to have a new offensive coordinator, a new, off- a new quarterbacks coach when Tim Beck left and Chip Kelly got fired in San Francisco, we did a post at Cleveland.com that was like, hey, Greg Schiano landed here because as a former NFL head coach who was friends with Urban Meyer. What about Chip Kelly landing here? We, it, we were on the field after the Fiesta Bowl talking about that before we even knew that Tim Beck was leaving. Right, because Chip Kelly had been fired. He got fired that day, like like an hour before the Fiesta Bowl. And the Buckeyes had just posted a donut. Yeah. <laughs> and we had an idea that that donut was not going to sit well with Urban Meyer and that changes were coming to the offensive side of the ball. So instead of Chip Kelly, they get Chip Kelly light. Probably Chip Kelly light, light, light. Yeah. No offense to Ryan Day. That's more about Chip Kelly who was honestly one of the great program builders in college football, turned Oregon from nothing, basically, into a national championship contender and the dominant program in the Pac-12 that then as soon as he left and his understudy took over, did enough of a nosedive for that guy to get fired. So um, what did we think of Ryan Day as a Chip Kelly protege who is now here to run the quarterback's room at Ohio State? I'll let you go first, Ari. Well, it's like funny to me because the Chip Kelly protege could be in charge of making JT Baird an NFL quarterback, but that's not what Chip Kelly does, right? Isn't that kind of weird? Yeah, I mean, Chip Kelly is like Dennis Dixon, Jeremiah Masoli, like was not exactly running Peyton Manning out there at Oregon. Mariota. Who? Did he recruit Mariota? They do have Mariota. Mariota? Yeah. The Heisman winner? The Heisman Trophy winner. Who led Oregon in the national title game against Ohio State? Yeah. And has been a very successful NFL quarterback. Who played on the field that we were watching? I forgot that guy. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess if you can make JT Barrett and Marcus Mariota, job well done. (laughs) Um, uh, At the college level and the NFL level. But yes, go ahead, Ari. I I thought that he was, um, it seemed like he was knowledgeable, but I also felt like he was holding back a lot with every question that we were asking. I didn't feel like he was very forthright uh, or ready to dump all the knowledge that he has or all the real opinions that he has down onto our laps a little bit. Now, you know, I get that. It's not that it's particularly new. But I thought we were talking about some pretty important things and some things that, you know, a lot of people and a lot of us are very educated on already, and it just didn't seem like we were necessarily getting anywhere with the idea of, hey, what's the deal with this and what's the deal with that? I don't know if you guys agree with me, but that was a little bit disappointing. I thought that the guy that's going to be in charge of the quarterback development um, and the number one offseason story for this football team would have been a little bit more out, you know, forthcoming with some of the information that we'd like to hear about J.T. Barrett's development. Yeah, I, I was hoping to get, I guess, one of two vibes from him. Either that even if he didn't divulge a lot of information, that you would get the vibe that he was a teacher and he was going to be the kind of guy who could develop JT Barrett in the way he needs to be developed in this final season, or I guess a step beyond that, that like you picked up that this guy was like a font of offensive knowledge. Like he was a brainiac like Chip Kelly, maybe not an offensive mastermind, which is what people have called Kevin Wilson, but just a guy who's very smart about the game of football. And it's very possible that he is. I'm sure maybe he probably is given the job that he has, but I didn't get that vibe from him. And I think it's, and the same thing happened with Tim Beck. It's like Tom Herman was, I think was really good about talking football and explaining it to us, people who don't know anything about it, in a way that that made the game easier to understand and was like a window into how Ohio State's quarterback operation really worked. Um, And Tim Beck was not good at that, and Ryan Day, in his first interview with us, did not do that. So it's like he gets compared against Tom Herman, who was very personable and good at that stuff. Maybe it's not fair. I don't know know how... Tom Herman's probably the exception to 
most assistant coaches with the way that he handled his media sessions. It's always interesting to me. I can I always feel like the assistant coaches when they first get hired, they're just afraid. They don't want to say anything that makes Urban mad. When when Urban himself is like the straightest shooter that I've ever covered in college football. That like if you if Urban Meyer was the quarterbacks coach and you said Urban, you just got hired, but looking at JT's film from last year, what did you see? Did you see him hesitate or lack confidence at times? What, what did you evaluate of his season just watching on film? I feel like Urban Meyer would say, "Oh, anybody could see that." Yeah. You know, we've got to get that guy to realize how good he is. We've got to get him to fire it because when you see him fire that ball, he's as good a quarterback as there is in the country. And obviously something was happening with him that last year he was reluctant to do that at times. I don't know what it was, but we're going to get it straight. We always play the what might they say. What The what might they say game is one of my favorite games to play before interviews. So when you think about the questions you're going to ask, you think, well, if I ask this question, what could they say? And inevitably, nobody lives up to my own answer <laughs> of what I imagine in my head. But that's what... That's an answer you could give to that question. But when I asked Ryan Day, did you see any lack of confidence or hesitation by JT Barrett? He went into like, well, it's not just the quarterback. It's the protection. It's the receivers running the routes. There's a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. There's a lot that goes into it. What did you see, man? Like nobody would say that JT Barrett was great at throwing the ball in the second half of last year. I don't care what the stats are. Because he padded his stats, and you know, just it was realistically they put up some huge numbers early in the year. That when you go through and look at his stats, you say, "Well, look, his stats were just as good as two years ago." Did you watch him? Did you watch him throw in the second half of the year compared to what he did the first season he played football at Ohio State? He wasn't the same guy. And I know the receivers aren't as good, and I know there were protection problems, but he didn't look like the same guy consistently. Sometimes in two-minute drills. Sometimes on third down, he would flash that. Why isn't that there every snap? That's the question I want the new quarterbacks coach to answer, and he didn't answer it. Is it possible that he's not ready to answer it? I don't care. Answer it anyway. <laughs> maybe. Just, maybe. Just fired. I mean, he watches tape, but he's only he got hired in January, right? What's he been doing, man? I guess he got he's moving. A, he's got a family. Buy a house. You're in the middle of moving, so you can relate to that. It's terrifying. He bought a house too, by the way. Ryan Day says he's. he's Hopes to be in for the long Bill Landis has a, has a family and is moving and can answer the question. Ryan can they can answer it. Did you guys bond over that? You you tried to get some Ryan Day bonding over some. Uh... I did. Uh, I because he was an Eagles quarterbacks coach for a year, and I'm from Philadelphia, and I asked him where he lived, and he lived in some place in the suburbs, and that was the end of it. Yeah, was, yeah. I'm not a suburbs guy. And by the way, you he's now not, he's, he's not from Philly then. Yeah, right. You, but you are moving from actual like the downtown Columbus to downtown Columbus, basically, yeah, right? Yeah. Ryan Day bought a house in the suburbs. Yeah, and then he's he's uh, he's in the suburbs of Columbus now too. Yeah, he's a, sub- he's a suburban guy. It's I mean, it's all right. You're a suburban guy. So is where you're living in Columbus, Bill, like basically the same area of Columbus that was the same area of Philly that you lived in, like this. No, I think downtown. I think the area of Columbus I'm moving to is a little harder than the area of Philly I lived in. <laughs> Are you going to get – Bill has a tattoo on his arm of the street that he grew up on in Philadelphia. Will you have a Columbus Street tattoo on the other arm at some point? We'll see. It depends on how long I live, I live on the block. I live on that street in Philly. What's the for street name? Berkeley. Well, that's a pretty good tattoo name. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. My street name is Wing Stem, like a bird and a flower. Yeah. Wing Stem. I don't think I would get that tattooed on no, my body. Also, I'm that's pretty interesting that we just gave out our readership the addresses to our houses. They don't know the number, although my street's pretty small. You can guess there's like eight houses. Yeah, me too. That was probably a bad decision. Let's cut that out. Three houses on wings, them. What's your address, Ari? Uh, my address is Second Street, so oh, okay. that'd be a good tattoo for the for, for the forearm, huh? Yeah. Um, all right, let's move to Bill Davis. Ari was at Bill Davis more than anyone. Again, um, this question has been asked. We've written about it. Urban Meyer has been hiring a lot of people that he knows, which is fine. It's what coaches do. Um, Greg Stradrawa was on his first staff at Bowling Green. Tony Alford played at Colorado State when Urban Meyer was an assistant coach at Colorado State. Tony Alford, the running backs coach. Um, Greg Schiano has been friends with Urban Meyer for since both of them got into coaching um, two decades ago. And now Bill Davis, the new linebackers coach, replacing Luke Fickle, who Urban Meyer did not know at all when he got hired at Ohio State to replace Luke Fickle. And Gene Smith, the athletic director, basically had to 
persuade Urban Meyer to give Luke Fickle a chance, and Urban Meyer did that, and Luke Fickle, I think, ended up being a very good assistant coach for Urban Meyer for five years. Um, Luke Fickle is gone, and his replacement is the best man from Urban Meyer's wedding. So, Ari, what was your early Bill Davis vibe? And then we have some stuff sort of about how he got that job and, and why he decided to be here. But what was your first take on Bill Davis? My first question was, what was the speech like at Urban Meyer's wedding? And I was hoping for an awesome answer for the headline, Inside Urban Meyer's Best Man Speech. And he said it was short but good. And I didn't think that was good enough for a post. Uh, so that was disappointing. we got to get uh, that video if we yeah. can. Yeah, yeah, I had I had the camera rolling. I was ready for an awesome response, and it didn't come. So that was the first disappointment. Um, but you know, he was very candid about his friendship with Urban Meyer, and I think we are kind of surprised that half of the staff now are just people he grew up with, or people that he knew early in his coaching career and became close friends with him. But I think for the most part that you know he is that's how Urban Meyer knows him. I think he knows him more as a friend than he does as a football coach. So I, I think that the draw for him was more so about the 20-plus years he spent as an assistant in the NFL. and He did spend time last year as an Ohio State volunteer learning the college atmosphere, but I think he's t it's more about taking a risk on a friend than it is knowing for sure that this guy is a stud college coach and college recruiter. He said yesterday that he's never recruited before, has zero experience, and tried to build that into a positive. And I don't know if having no experience on the road trying to get top-rated recruits is a positive, no matter what you say. So I, I do think there's going to be some work, uh, some adjustment on how he approaches the college game, because as much as we've talked about, and, and Doug said this yesterday, NFL be, or the Ohio State being an NFL-like program, it's not the NFL. And he's got a lot to learn in order to adjust to that. I will say, Ur Urban Meyer... And when he's made hires here, he's emphasized many times that recruiting is the number one thing. When he replaced Tom Herman, he said that recruiting was the number one thing replacing Tom Herman. And when he hired Tim Beck, Tim Beck's roots in Texas in recruiting that area that Tom Herman had recruited was a big deal in that hire. And for all the criticism I had of Tim Beck for two years as a quarterback's coach, he was successful as a recruiter. And that's what Urban Meyer prioritizes first. I will venture to guess that the only person Urban Meyer would hire as an assistant coach at Ohio State with zero college football recruiting experience would be the best man at his wedding. Yeah. Show me a blind resume that includes zero college football recruiting experience and ask me if Urban Meyer is going to hire that guy. He would not. I would bet my life on it. Ari? Uh, he would not. And I... I got into this a little bit yesterday of, in the story of the five initial things to know about Bill Davis. I don't think that we can go forward and think, because this, the explanation that he gave was, I have no experience in recruiting, which is a positive, which means I can do it exactly how Urban Meyer instructs me to do it, like he's a clean slate. And I guess, if you think about it that way, I guess it kind of makes sense. No, it doesn't. But, but I don't go think ahead. we can go <laughs> into, so as I continue... I, I was going to say, I don't think we can move forward thinking that that isn't a weakness or something different that they're going to have to adjust to on the staff, uh, especially because Luke Fickle uh, got uh, complimented incessantly for his ability to spot talent and close talent in the state. So I think that that is a huge – we'll figure out when we'll see pretty soon into the season how good of an on-field coach he is and how he developed these linebackers, but I don't think that He's not a liability, at least at the moment, in the recruiting game, and that's a big, big deal at Ohio State. The thing that I wonder is, like, Ohio State's always going to get a certain caliber of player because it's Ohio State, and more often than not, I think regardless of who the position coach is, if that kid's in Ohio, they're going to get him. And Bill Davis is from Ohio. Um, he's got the NFL credentials. I don't, I don't know if, he'd any, if he would have any trouble closing a recruit in Ohio. But I wonder if in a parallel universe where Ohio State is recruiting Baron Browning, and it's on Bill Davis to be more impressive than Alabama. A guy who has zero recruiting experience in Baron Browning's living room. I wonder if Ohio State gets him. Create relationships. Relate to the teenage player. Sell the university in a particular way. Yeah, I mean, again, but again... Because we all take Luke Fickle, right? In the, 
Yeah, so like Barrett Brownie committed to Luke Fickle knowing Luke Fickle was leaving. Right. No, no what did you say? I said Baron Browning committed to Luke Fickle with the knowledge that Luke Fickle was leaving the program. But Luke Fickle had helped successfully oh, okay. sell Ohio State enough that he made it happen. Right, right, yeah, yeah. And I think we had all blindly take Luke Fickle in that scenario. Yeah. yeah I think he's got the track record. Yeah. I, and I think, you know, we have seen what happens here when, I mean, I, this is not new territory, but I would say the failure to replace Tom Herman correctly cost Ohio State a national championship. The fact that they replaced him as a play caller with Ed Warner, which didn't work, and that they replaced him as a quarterback coach with Tim Beck, which in my opinion did not work. It, Ohio State had everything else going for it in 2015. The thing it did, that was the number one problem. That's what reared its head in the Michigan State game. JT Barrett wasn't ready. They screwed up the quarterback competition. Um, they did not effectively play call that game in a variety of ways. The, the quarterback readiness for the Michigan State loss and the play calling within that game were the two main problems in that loss, and that loss is what kept Ohio State out of the playoff. That is directly related to their inability to replace Tom Herman. And the proof is the two guys who replaced Tom Herman are now gone. So if you think we're making too big of a deal of replacing assistant coaches, that is what I'm on alert for with Luke Fickle. Now, Greg Schiano has taken over the entire defense. The ability of Greg Schiano to call a defense, I don't think anybody questions that. No. But the ability to prepare linebackers to play college football, to successfully recruit players the way Luke Fickle did, I don't think any of us can assume that they're just going to plug somebody in who's never coached college football before and just assume they're going to be fine there. And I think you can't just assume that, well, if you take a step back there, it won't matter that much. They'll still be okay. Coaches matter, even when your head coach is Urban Meyer and even when the talent you have at a program is Ohio State's kind of talent. And I think you can have those, I agree with all that, and I think you can have those concerns with both Bill Davis and Ryan Day. Ryan Day has college experience. He was at Boston College. He was a GA at Florida. I think he was a GA at New Hampshire. Um, he does not have a lot of experience, or at least a track record, of developing strong quarterbacks. He was at Boston College when they had Matt Ryan. Ryan Day wasn't the quarterback's coach. He was the receiver's coach. He wasn't the quarterback's coach? No. He was dropping Matt Ryan references yesterday. Well, he coached the guys who caught the 4,000 yards for Matt Ryan's arm. Oh, my God. I didn't even know that. He didn't um, coach Matt Ryan? That's like the number one thing on his resume. Yeah, I know. I think Ohio State actually put out a recruiting graphic with Matt Ryan on it. And I was like, I wonder who the quarterback's coach was then because he's not recruiting for Ohio State. Um, wow. I feel blindsided by that knowledge I should have previously had. But yeah, he doesn't. He had they had one guy at Boston College named Tyler Murphy, who was like a guy who came from Florida, who was recruited by Urban Meyer, who put together a pretty nice season. I think it was in 2014, right? Yeah, it was the year the year Ohio State lost Virginia Tech. Boston College beat Virginia Tech that year, and Tyler Murphy had an awesome game. It was like it would have been like two weeks after Ohio State lost Virginia Tech. But that's like the only guy that Ryan Day has truly developed at the college level. And it was he was a one year graduate transfer. So if you have questions about Bill Davis and his lack of college experience, Ryan Day, Ryan Day has college experience, but not a ton of tutelage of college quarterbacks. When we wrote our Buck Dynasty series before the 2015 season, we talked about what Ohio State needed to do to be a mini dynasty. The story I focused on in one of the, week, one of the days was replacing assistant coaches. Urban Meyer's inability to replace assistant coaches at Florida was part of what led to uh, his eventual resignation at Florida. Um, he has leaned, he has turned toward leaning on guys that he knows with what I would say are maybe questionable. As, no, questionable. I don't care. Questionable credentials to coach at Ohio State. Not that they aren't good coaches, but are they coaches who would have been hired at Ohio State given their resumes? if they didn't have connections personally to Urban Meyer, okay? I'm not, nobody is saying they're not going to be good coaches. All we're telling you is be on alert a little bit because we have hard evidence of what happens when you replace assistant coaches with guys who aren't as good. It cost Ohio State a shot at a national championship and repeating as national champions. And all we're telling you is these two guys, these two new hires, they have personal relationships with Urban Meyer, but their college resumes in what Ohio State needs college coaches to do as recruiters and as developers of talent at linebacker and quarterback, we have a couple questions. 
That's going to do it for Buckeye Talk. Um, every Wednesday, we put this up for you guys. We're going to keep doing it through spring football. Uh, Ohio State Pro Day is Thursday. We're going to have a ton of coverage from that. A bunch of guys working out um, for NFL scouts and GMs. Maybe Chip Kelly will be there I just actually, to hang out. I think even there's like he's a 15, 14% chance that Chip Kelly's there. Um, so is we'll there ha- any chance, just before we go, of somebody working out there that we're going to be blindsided by? Anybody who left the team or anybody who's yeah. going to be trying to go to the NFL they, now that might be working out? They sent the no, list. they put out a list. I mean, I guess there could always be guys added to it, but there wasn't anyone on the list who was... At, like it was guys who were on the team last year, like the eight who went to the combine plus Dontre Wilson and uh, Corey Smith. Um, Jared Barnes, who was a safety walk on safety, is on the list, and I have a list right here. He transferred from Louisville, right? Yes. Tyler Durbin, kicker extraordinaire, will be working out, but nothing crazy. And everybody else at the combine. Everyone else at the combine, yeah. And then they have one guy from Tiffin who's working out, who I was told is who's a guy named Antonio Pipkin. Oh, the quarterback. Who, who people are projecting as a late-round pick, who I actually am trying to get a hold of um, to do a story before Thursday. I always think it. Jamie Meter, who is now a, a major defensive tackle for the Browns, worked out at Ohio State's Pro Day the year he came out. He was from Ashland. I think that I'm like 95% sure that's right. So sometimes these small school guys in Ohio who don't have their own Pro Day, Ohio State lets them come work out at their Pro Day. So if Antonio Pipkin's there, I'm very interested in that. I, th- I think he's going to be there. Um, Can we do a a mailbag podcast this, or later this week? We got some really good questions that we ended up not answering, which always happens. We just ended up railing against <laughs> the assistant coaches for 45 minutes? Yeah, but I thought we got a lot of questions, and I thought some of them were good. Raise your hand if you guys want a bonus mailbag podcast at the end of the week. Oh, we got a raise. All right, well, maybe we'll do that. Maybe we can do that Thursday. Drop it on Friday. We can do it Thursday after Pro Day. Yeah. Drop some mailbag questions. We appreciate you guys listening. We appreciate you guys reading. We appreciate you guys sending questions. And we certainly want to keep up the interaction with our loyal readers and listeners here at Buckeye Talk. So for Ari Wasserman back at his apartment, was that okay, Ari? Did you feel the vibe? I felt the vibe. I missed you guys. I should have come. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, Bill Landis drinking coffee. Bill Landis is going to... Uh, Help give a little uh, seminar here at Cleveland.com a little bit. He's got to go get his PowerPoint ready. I am woefully underprepared. Woefully underprepared. That also was the, that was the runner-up title when we changed the name from the bad podcast. We were either going to change it to Buckeye Talk or woefully underprepared. And I think maybe we picked the wrong title. Anyway, um, for Ari and for Bill, I'm Douglas Maurice. That was Buckeye Talk.